Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Podcast, a podcast platform to share interesting conversations from the most successful leaders within the Stockholm tech community. My name is Sophie Gould and I'm your host for today. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, a Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Hello, Anka. Hello, Chris. How are we both doing? Hello, Sophie. We are all doing well. Oh, thank you for joining me. Um, really excited for this podcast. I think we've been, Anka, I know we spoke a few weeks ago about it, maybe even a couple of months now. Um, and we've had multiple conversations until then. So while we kind of let some of the listeners come through who are going to be joining from LinkedIn now. Um, just for everybody who is who's already here, this will be a discussion with Anchor and Chris around kind of leading ladies in tech, their careers, their journeys, their advice. Um, we've got quite a lot to cover, so definitely excited for this one. And I think we'll start with kind of setting some introductions for both yourselves, Anchor and Chris. So I suppose just Give us a brief overview of an introduction to yourself and then obviously we'll go into a lot more detail during this conversation. Um, but yeah, tell us who you are. Um, Anka, you go first. Yeah. Alphabetically, we go first. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, everyone, and thank you, Sophie, for hosting this podcast. Uh, my name is Anka Yordanescu. I'm working as a VP of engineering uh, at an area called Stores of the Future at IKEA. Um I am. I have been working in the technology field for the last 20 years. I have been working at Ericsson, Sony Mobile, Merckxline. I really have a passion for innovation and technology. I also have a PhD in computer science. And we will tell you more, but also me and Chris, we do a lot of things to help women and creating a really diverse, um, diverse tech field with the women and also uh, other, other non-gender things. Uh, and uh, from a personal part, uh, I am living in London, Sweden. I am mother of two boys. Oh, nice. Love that. And yeah, we've definitely got a lot to cover, um, but an impressive, impressive portfolio of companies and industries you've worked in. And Chris, we'll come over to you for your introduction. Hi, Sophia, and hi, everyone. Thank you for joining. And uh, I'm Chris. Um, as I'm I have two boys, which, by the way, might be the youngest appearances. I am living in Sweden. And uh, I also uh, have a background in computer science. I've been, uh, most of my career has been in the video game industry. When I had uh, mostly any job that you could have in tech, I've been from a programmer, a project management, a, a director, VP of engineering, and nowadays I'm a technical executive producer for the our proprietary engine, the Clicer engine. So I manage the technology of the company. and. Uh, even though I've been always in video games, then for a brief period of my career, I was in Britain and I worked with uh, Ankar in IKEA. It's where we crossed paths and we became uh, very close friends and we have a lot of things in common. So as she said, we started um, a, a journey uh, called Women Tech Setters and um, we promote diversity, inclusion from non-binary in the tech workplaces and we do a lot of mentoring and and we do presentations, like uh, conferences, both in diversity, but also in technical topics. And this is uh, our first podcast together. <laughs> oh, nice. I know you both do quite a lot um, within this scene. So I said it before, but thank you both for joining me. I think it's definitely good to share your ideas, experiences, everything with the, the listeners. Um, so, yeah, I think it um, should be a really good conversation. And I'd say I definitely would advise anybody who is listening to add some comments. We will get through the comments, whether it be kind of as they're posted, if if it aligns with something that we've got on on the kind of 
agenda for the talk but also at the end if there's any comments we miss or we don't cover during the conversation we will definitely get back to them so i think let's just get straight into it um with the first question which kind of is a broad one um but definitely interested to hear this more about tell us about your journey to your current present current position in tech um who wants to kind of take this one first should we give you alphabetical chris <laughs> <laughs> yeah so me to my journey into in the technology as i said i always had this passion and uh I was, uh, you know, really into mathematics and physics. You know, it started from very early in my school. Uh, and it's very interesting because initially I really thought it was very early days of the technology and computer science. Uh, and I thought I into mathematics. It would be good to be a teacher in maths. Uh, so, so, however, I actually, I, there was a special class about computer science. And I felt, oh, why not? Should I try that? It was a small group. So that's how my computer science career started. Uh, actually, after university, I started teaching computer science at the university. And then uh, maybe also something about myself. I'm trying to always, I'm trying to just jump and swim into cold water. <laughs> I got uh, an offer to join Ericsson. I'm from Romania, I'm in Bucharest. I had no clue what it is, you know, to join Ericsson to do mobile telecommunication things. Uh, they wanted a software developer. I said, ah, why not? Should I try that? I could still teach uh, you know, continue teaching and doing my PhD, but I can also try to be just a software, just a software development uh, developer. So I started there. Uh, I said I will come back, and then this is how my journey started. Really starting coding there, and what was most amazing, and I I never thought that I would like it so much. We started like building telecom networks, switches. You can't even imagine like physical connecting. That was so amazing for me. Just every time I'm thinking when I was sitting Sundays. We would had the training in Denmark and in the, in the weekends together with the other colleagues and friends, we were building these switches together and talk about and cabling and then coding. That was so exciting. And that's how my career started. And then step by step, you know, you go into, you know, the mobile became big, the first mobile phone, the first DPRS, the first thing. So I started, we started as part of Ericsson to build this, inventing new technologies, doing things. So you develop from a software developer, you know, you get the normal career path. I got a, what is called like an architect, then I got a project to be a project manager, then I moved from Denmark to Sweden uh, to work at Ericsson in Sweden in Lund, that that's actually how my actually my life also changed because I moved from Romania to Denmark, from Denmark to Sweden, and there I became a, more like a manager where I start to handle the platform, the requirements, how we work with the different suppliers, and I've learned a lot about, you know, technology. And I have to say, I've been part of many cool stuff, you know, a lot of phones, a lot of technologies, a lot of a GPS here, a GPRS, uh, Wi-Fi. It, it was really exciting. I have to say that also my husband worked with us. We worked with me that they're at Sony Mobile and Ericsson. And we had the family, we came together and we were debugging things happening in the phone. So I think if I have to say from an innovation perspective my whole life between Ericsson Sony Mobile was a boom uh, I really felt that when you know the time when telecom went a little bit down it was a super saturated market and of course we start thinking how oh, we've been in this industry for like the 15 20 15 years should we try something else mm. uh, so I moved to Mansline in Copenhagen and there also I worked with actually very interesting uh, Technologies. We, uh, I was looking to put a um, mobile device on the containers. I we were changing the whole IT infrastructure for the ships. In the, you can't imagine how big is the ship. <laughs> it's something huge. <laughs> but also, you know, I have been really looking, going through very uh, man-dominated uh, environment. Imagine I was. Many times I was the only woman, especially in Ericsson and Sony Mobile. I was actually the only woman to pick up all the discussion, some dialogues about, you know, vendors not, not delivering our components. The platform didn't work. You, you, you know, you need to be very well prepared to, to, to cope with that. Anyway, so seeing Mersline, Mersline, it's a, it's a really a company where it's a very tough ships, you know, sailings is not a place for a woman. You need to be strong and tough anyway. Uh, Mersline moving uh, joined 2017 IKEA. 
big transformation of Italy, a completely new industry. Yeah. Uh, but actually, I found my soul, and of course, we went through it at IKEA, and Chris was there with me in the in the beginning through a whole digital transformation when we really moved from a classical IT the retailer where you have an IT organization which is more like giving IT solution into a digital organization. We are part of the business. Uh, and of course, uh, leading domains, leading areas, uh, transforming, in bringing agility, DevOps mindset, uh, restructuring. I can always compare for me that was it was very tough times. So digital transformations are very tough. And then maybe I'm using me and you, we, Chris, we use something. It's like a broccoli. You don't like it, but you really <laughs> help it. You need to eat <laughs> I mean, you it's like digital transformation is like a broccoli. <laughs> so, and and then for the last year and something, I am leading this area called Stores of the Future, and I have to say that leading this one, I'm kind of coming back to my innovation soul. It's like I'm so, I find so I'm so passionate about what I'm doing. I have a great team. We have so many ideas, cool ideas that we can try and put in practice. And we want to transform the way that IKEA stores will look at the future and how the experience it is. So that's really kind of, in a nutshell, my my life in a, from a career perspective. I will not say about my kids, my husband, and <laughs> my family. No, but that sounds a real. It sounds like a very, yeah, intense journey. A lot of different things there, but um, you still seem to feel. Sounds like you're passionate about it. Nice. Oh, and Chris, give us an overview of yourself. And, and obviously, there'll be a, a crossover from when you were both at IKEA. Um, but yeah. In my career has been very coincidental. I mean, if someone would have asked me 20 years ago what I would be today, it could have been a million other things, uh, but definitely not uh, leading uh, like the technology in a game company or making a game engine. Um, I was always very visual, like to draw and very creative. And then when the time of university arrived, I was very puzzled about what to do because I found like uh, fine, it was maybe what I would like, but I didn't see that as a career path or what I would do. Maybe I would end up being a teacher or how to like make a living. So I thought well, I didn't know what to do. And then uh, I felt like, uh, you know, computers are starting to be everywhere. You know, when I was taking the driving license and then we would do the tests with a computer. It was very modern back then. <laughs> and then, then I went into computer science. And then uh, there wasn't so many role models back in the days. We were like, a, like a, out of 70, we were something like 11 uh, women studying. It was also like a bit strange, but uh, they, it was like, yeah, this has many career paths. I'll see. Of course, when I finished, I worked uh, in in uh, for for the pharmaceutical a bit, uh, like some years, and then I did an internship with something in a time factory, like coding some Photoshop plugins. And then um, I was still very creative, and I felt like, what I'm going to do with all these databases or what? And then I pursued a career in video games because video games are more creative and are more fun and then I decided like well maybe being a game programmer is my thing or what I do in programming so I started um, in, in a company actually like the company I'm working now nowadays um, programming applications doing business intelligence and integrating uh, tools and then um, people always see see me as successful and I actually disagree with that statement because if I would have been successful Nowadays, I would be a principal render programmer, but I'm not, you know, like uh, we, when we have a lot of soft skills and uh, there are not so many principal render programmers that are women, it's like uh, you go through a lot of things during that journey. And actually at some point we had like, uh, I was working for a company called Squanix. Squanix owns a lot of studios. And then some of the software I was developing was used for other like other locations. And then we were collaborating developers of different places. And it was a bit like, Chris, do you want to organize a bit this? You're already organizing. Do you want to create this meta team of people in different locations and you lead this? Okay, I'm programming. I'm already doing this. Fine. I'll take it. <laughs> I don't know. This happens. And then I started doing that. And then I went to a course uh, like to become a Scrum Master and I started reading about project and team management. I had zero clues because I was a very, very technical person. And then um, I started to get into it. Eventually, it's like, here, you have a budget. A budget? Do I, do I have signed up for this? And then <laughs> it felt like uh, you have less and less time to code. The team starts growing. 
then I changed position, and then is when I, I was like um, at Unity, that is a company that develops a game engine. Mm. I did as project manager, and then it's, next thing I know, I'm like a global director of operations, what means also changed a bit my profile and be, made me a bit more manager, like across, across the world, running a big cooperation. Then things started to happen. Then I went to um, IKEA, and then I was like hired as a manager of a team, next thing I know. I was like, uh, like leading the transformation of IKEA with the uh, Anka and running a, a bigger thing, and then I said, yeah. so like this had happened to me. It hasn't been conscious decisions, and then at some point yeah, I decided to go back uh, to video games, and then I found where I've been the happiest, and it's this company that I'm working for. So then uh, uh, the the owner I still knew him from back the days when I worked there 20 years ago. So I talked to him and said, hey, do you have anything for me? And they actually said, actually, like the person that is uh, leading the tech is not about much. So like, uh, why don't you give it a go? And that was um, three, four years ago, something like that. And, uh, but it's been very coincidental. It's been a series of events. I mean, I never expected to be a manager or I never even expected to be a programmer or be in tech. I'm not saying So, I mean, this happened. And actually, I have a lot of fun in what I'm doing. Also, like the, I think... Part of it is like as a young person in high school, it's very hard to dream that you will have such a job. I mean, game engines are always, I mean, games, the stereotype is that it's very like a guy's thing. Developing an engine is very guy's thing. So like yeah. non-binary, like a, mostly cisgender men. So like a, anything that is not that being on those positions is very underrepresented. So it's very hard to dream with that. It's like, People dreams like has other dreams because it's what we see in movies or what we see around us. So this just happened to me. I mean, I'm happy it happened. And it's not like I, I like uh, my journey was a very conscious journey. I'm not being like Anka. I jump into the pool. They were like, yeah, this is okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh well, it seems like you both do really, really well to say that you're just in the deep end, and and here it is. Um, but I think there's something you mentioned there, Chris, if there was no kind of role models and something that I, I've done a few diversity talks in over the series of these podcasts and something that somebody once said to me has always stuck with me and it's you can only be what you can see. So if there isn't any role models, it's really difficult for you to imagine yourself in that position because you can't see that it's been done before. Um, and it actually leads us quite nicely onto our next question of, how have you seen the tech industry change since your career first started? Um, and I think, yeah, Chris, if you start with this one, because we kind of touched on it anyway, um, but any more details on that? I mean, it's been a change for the better. I mean, like the first, I mean, as I told in university, we were 11 out of 70. My first job, it was something like 10 persons up to, up to 200 when on Sysmail. Um, the story continues every time. It was like the only one. And people maybe think that it's special to be the only one. No, it's not special. It's like everybody's dressed in red, in black, and you have a red t-shirt. And then, like, you are an easy target for the good and for the bad. And then that doesn't feel nice to be the one that stands out all the time. Also, I felt a lot of, I don't know if it's my my personality that I'm like to, um, I hardcore for some stuff. So I took the harder task because I liked it or because I wanted to demonstrate something. I mean, I don't know how much I was about that, or I felt the need of like showing to my colleagues that I was that good, that I was as good as they. I mean, and I don't know if I would have been a guy if I would have picked up those or I, or I would have blended in or yeah. that. Don't know. But I, I, the fact is that I did. And then when I was programming, everybody really loved me, and I got along with everybody, and it was on the smile. So I never actually felt any discrimination or any issues whatsoever. I was one more, and actually like. Yeah, I was taking this, the hardest and the worst task that nobody wanted. So, like, it was good, and it's in the team. Then, as I became a manager, I started feeling some things. It's like, is this happening? It's like, I mean, the, ah, what a great idea, John. And it's like, I had just said that five minutes ago. It was not John, it was me. Like, maybe I misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Or, it, like, a lot of months planning and things that never have happened to me before. And then, uh, actually, I started to be interested in diversity because I like to understand things. Actually, there are many studies that as you progress in the leadership, you are more uh, more likely to experience this um, micromachism and, and things happening to you. 
That's why in solar, it's so cool, uh, the ceiling that is hard to break because of the progress. There are more things you are more key. It's your soft skills that get evaluated. The people tend to hire and like those that are more alike to them. There is less people in those higher positions. So everything comes together for us to have it very hard and to us to experience those things. So then, uh, um, so then I, I've been experiencing those changes in myself and in my journey. So in a way, I have been experiencing those things towards me, maybe, whereas at the beginning I wasn't not experiencing it, but it's because I have evolved to those positions that you are more likely to experience it. So I'm, I can testify that that's true, those research, because I'm feeling it. It's, I mean, but I also can say that I've been doing this for some years now, and one, I see more women like me around me, where well, women and non-binary, because this is not about women and men. This is about like cisgender men, mostly white, has a certain privilege, and then people accumulate minorities. It might be being disabled. It might be being a, a gender that is not cis men. It might be being a, of a different race. So the more the more minorities you accumulate, the more likely are you to experience these things. So I see a bigger representation and a more diversity around me. And I see more people in leadership that are not like the stereotype. So I think things are changing for the better. I actually think that uh, things are changing. I mean, we still have a way to go, but things are looking yeah. good. No, that's amazing. That's definitely a good change. That's something that you want to hear and you want to experience. Anchor, is there anything that you would add, any differences in, in your experience? Um, I suppose even with the, the kind of male-dominated companies and industries like Maersk, the shipping industry. What I think it has changed for the last years, it's actually awareness about diversity. I think in the past, I didn't hear so much talking about we need to be more diverse. We, I didn't hear this, it, you know, ways of we want to promote women. So it, it's, but now I can see that people are talking. There's still a long way to moving from talking to doing, but Definitely. I feel that is it on agenda and they ha it will happen. Still, it's a gap to fill it. So awareness. Second, I also see that more women are getting engaged to become role models, to mentor, to inspire. And I think this is so positive. It was not so much in the past. So we are creating visibility. And it's also we will touch upon later about why Chris and I, we are doing what we are doing. We, we want to give something back. But I think we even start organizing. And that's also what I can, uh, I can tell you that I see difference, big difference. There are so many women organization which trying to support each other which is great it's great just need to get the purpose there and we need to break through some ceilings i would say so uh, yeah the future could be promising uh, but we still have a way to to go and we need to be stronger and we need to get together and we need we need to be you know again i'm saying that well-behaved women never make history so we need to <laughs> yeah so don't be well behaved <laughs> and when i say misbehave meaning we need to say what we want we need to say what we need and that will be the change we want to make yeah yeah no i love that i think it's kind of hearing both of you it's that it's definitely more people are more aware more alert but there's still more action there's still more things that can be done um, well, yeah, hopefully we'll get to a point where it's, it's more doing. Um, and how have, has your experience been as a woman in tech? Um, is there any specific challenges you've faced that because you are a woman for that specific reason that you could share and kind of de diverse into? Maybe I can start. Uh, where I think it's probably also coming from us, and in my case, it's sometimes you need to be very... You need to be trusting yourself, confident, and trusting yourself a lot. Uh, being alone in a room dominated with men, it can be very, very intimidating. Uh, so you need to kind of overcompensate all the time. Meaning you have to be, you know, you need to know more. You need to learn more. You, you know, you need to be well prepared. And that's so. It's not the it's not the same feeling. It's not the same maybe relaxed atmosphere. Um, and uh, that was kind of the, for me, training to really be well composed. I know what I'm talking to about. I'm very structured. I know what I want to gain. So that was for me a challenge uh, in, uh, you know, in, in, in learning myself how to behave there. A second one is a little bit of the people having misconceptions. And I, I, ha I have to tell them sometimes I'm laughing about that, you know, 
we are we are dressed and uh, probably are sometimes I like high heels and you know this is put an image on you which sometimes actually I take it with a smile because it's you it's like you know we need not to judge people from the way they look they are who you are they are and then we are all different and that's the embrace you have but that sometimes made me to laugh and that's uh, a challenge that I want you to say, you know, don't look at me, a woman here. I, it's just me and my brain and my personality and the knowledge I have. Forget about how do I look. Uh, so, uh, uh, but I think that actually the main challenge is how to get, you know, at the, I see again, I see the change. I see more women coming into tech, but after a, set, a certain level, there is still a, a lack of uh, diversity and the uh, in order to be good role models and to get through and get more women, we need to change that one. And that's a challenge still. So I still see that, you know, uh, unfortunately, I, even in my case, sometimes I see that the men are promoted for the potential, while the women are always needed to prove, to show that they are doing performance. And that's something is still happening to me even today. Really? Yeah. Wow, interesting. And is that because of kind of the level that you are? Because you're obviously quite high up within IKEA. There's not um, as many as many people. I'm not sure what it is, but it, it is a feeling about that. It, it, it's a feeling, and IKEA is actually very good in promoting. And if we look at overall in IKEA, we have quite a good gender equality in management level. But tech-wise, we are still very few. We are we are too few into this level. So. And if you go one level above me, there are more, no more women, actually. So uh, at my level, it's me and, and a colleague of mine. We are two at this level. But then if you go up, it's... So I'm not sure if it's because we are very few there. So that's where we need to grow these young ladies to come in to create, you know, a base to go up. But it's not only that. It's, it's also to have a passion about what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Interesting point because it's kind of like, is it... Um... Is it that you're in that position because of your passion, because of your skill, because of your kind of leadership ability and capabilities? Um, so, yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? It's a, it's a tough balance, I imagine. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. And Chris, how about yourself? Any specific challenges that you can think of um, across your career? I mean, there are. I mean, the thing is that a lot of these challenges is like, is this happening? I mean, because it's about soft skills and it's, I mean, Someone is promoted in their potential or is or I have to prove myself. How do you actually qualify that? And how do you quantify that? So a lot of times it's like, it's much imagination. So, I mean, like I have experienced things like that. A lot of it, uh, after I read a lot of researchers, like there is like this year they research by McKinsey and there is one by, by PWC and many like studies from the UA that actually support that these things. In my case, I feel very fortunate that they in my teams, I always been very like aware of these things and things that I've been talking about. So, for example, there was this job I had that the, the I I had I was closing one white deals. So that meant that if I was choosing one company or another one, they would then uh, it was financially very appealing for them. And then we were invited to with several. I remember when I came, yeah, this searching for a specific software. So we were visiting several offices in San Francisco for vendors, and I was a uh, traveling with Martin, a friend of mine, that he was also one of my co-workers. And I was the one deciding that everywhere we went, everybody hand, uh, do handshakes, and everybody would be talking to Martin. And at the end, it became a joke in between Martin and me. Martin, there would be a point that we would say, the one deciding is her. And then it, we would see how most people will like change the way to look. Or like some of them would just continue, but some of them actually will start apologizing. And that happened recurrently. Like it became a joke in between Martin and I when that was happening because it was happening consistently. And everybody assumed that I was her assistant, his assistant. Oh. And he wasn't my assistant either. We were colleagues, but the one deciding it was me and he was someone in my team. I was saying his manager. And and that happened time over time. I mean, may we finish, we visit seven vendors, maybe five times happened. And they, uh, so no, it's not my imagination. And that, I mean, I don't think it was a challenge. I mean, then <laughs> we continue, but the, the things like that, that the, someone might be perceiving as is my imagination is not. I mean, there is a bias and conscious bias. If you talk to men, nobody wants to discriminate anyone. They don't feel even privileged in some places. They think we are super equal. We really do it by the merit. 
but they are not acknowledging that it's unconscious and we not even realize even women or non-binary we are like also have our prejudices and our bias towards the rest of the group because the model has always been done so we are faced challenges unless you are a white cis male like it doesn't sound like this kind of like i'm discriminating my singing them out but when you look at the statistics that group is the one that they is likely to spirit to have a easier time and the rest of the groups, depending as mentioned before, depending on how many minorities you accumulate, you feel it, there are challenges that exist. And there are small things or bigger things, but they happen. Yeah, I can imagine in those situations, it's, I mean, it's good that you can make a joke about it, but uh, it can be quite tough. Or it sounds like it could have been quite tough if your mindset wasn't, and if you weren't prepared, that was something that you mentioned, then kind of doing your research, understanding that, this is kind of normal. It's not you kind of overthinking it and things like that. Um, so no, I think there's some good bits of advice there in terms of if anybody else is feeling that, that it's, it's actually normal. Um, exactly. And this has to do also with the coping mechanism. I mean, like yeah. in technology, and as you progress in leadership, you're going to start feeling things. Then there are different ways of coping with this. One can get angry and go like uh, all rage about it and start reporting people to each other, which is <laughs> which is a thing. And maybe someone needs to be reported. But then also there is another way to look at it. You can look at it from the sense of humor and also with the compassion. Maybe they didn't know better. I mean, this unconscious bias is by education. I mean, my sons probably will live in a more diverse group and some of this discrimination that is experiencing now is, for example, when we hear that any black people was not allowed in buses or women couldn't run the New York Marathon. Now it's crazy, right? Probably mm-hmm. some things that happen now would be crazy for my sons. So now we are in a, in a journey of change. So it's like, a, and a lot of people don't have Batington. I mean, these people in this meeting didn't have Batington because of the preconceptions and the prejudice that we have that are like in us, our own bias, even though we're unaware. They assume that the guy was the boss. Then they, they learned something that they fulfilled. But they, 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 it's not their fault. I mean, so then I could have been angry and crossed them, or I could have said, well, they didn't know better. This is it. Now, now, due to this experience, maybe next time, the next woman that comes here is treated differently. So there is another way to treat it, and it's like, um, yeah, with a bit of mercy. Instead of uh, trying to win every battle, let's win the war. And little by little, without needing to be confrontational every single time, we can make a lot of progress and evangelize and express and, and then like maybe this was a bit and have a conversation with people. And I think that's why how we win the battle faster. Yeah. Just to add, uh, Sophie and Chris, I think what is important is that, you know, that when there's this uh, strong deviation, because now we talk about, you know, you can accept it, you take a joke, I think it's easier to come over in a positive way. But sometimes it's very good in a very professional way to actually say it. This is not right. And I think actually by this, you create this awareness. And as Chris says, people are doing unconscious this kind of, it's just as how your brain is trained. And a little bit of just saying it, it, it's changed the atmosphere completely. And, you know, it's a lesson that brain is, is learning. So you shouldn't be afraid of, but not be aggressive again. And it's and about it's like nothing. We shouldn't, you shouldn't let it go. But then you can't have in a meeting and someone has mansplained you and say, hey, uh, where are you? I mean, and get confrontation. And or maybe after the meeting, you can take that person and say, hey, that didn't feel well. You had that behavior. This maybe that person next time will try to do it better. In the other way, you can, like, uh, if you get confrontation and might be like, well, oh, this, uh, and then they start uh, misusing feminist words and they, like, the whole thing gets into out of proportion and the things need to be called out and the the people need to know. I mean, and it's a way of helping them actually like have this evangelist role of like, yes, this interaction wasn't correct. Would have been nice. What do you think about that? And then little by little, uh, people start being aware. So I think awareness is very important. And to raise awareness, we not always have to class. Sometimes someone that's really bad and someone maybe someone deserves that class but uh, in most cases in or in my experience there is a way to tackle these things and for me it's again staying professional i think that's for me like you don't get into much you know uh feelings into uh, stay professional it, we are in a profession that we there is nothing else and we do our job here it's not it's nothing else 
So yeah. for me, that's success. I read lots of bad stories about how young women are treated and how men are telling them, if you stop it in a profession, so don't let it go too far. Stop it professional, don't let it go. But professional, nothing. You don't need to, to say bad words. Yeah, it doesn't need to be like an emotional reaction, more just educating people, making them aware. Yeah, some really good advice there. And I think um, it moves on nicely to, to the question we want to discuss on. If you take yourself back to when you first started your career in tech, um, what advice would you give to other women who are in that situation and, and kind of new to new to being a woman in tech? What advice would you give to those people? There is one, one sentence that actually is Anka's sentence. That they say, be a positive perseverant. Be a perseverant optimist. How is it, Becca? What is it? Be a perseverant optimist or a stubborn optimist. A stubborn optimist. Uh, ah. Yes, things might not be good. But if we start talking, I, I read a lot of these surveys and a lot of these statistics. For example, the UN in the most recent report has made about diversity. Diversity across the planet will land in 284 years. So if I... If I just, on that, I is a bit uh, is a bit sad. Uh, then the quality index, they they say 99 years. So everything can be very depressive. And then we look at all these statistics and we read about all these micro micro machismo and all those things and they glassy and then we start crying. But things are changing, are changing for the positive. The more positive we are, the more we encourage the change, the more we put role models there. And the more we do our part, not everybody can do everything, but we all can do something. Then we're going to speed that up. It will get exponential, it's not linear. So maybe those 284 only in a sudden becomes less also. Technology. Technology can help us a lot. Maybe artificial intelligence will do recruitment or will parse the CVs or will do things that will remove a lot of bias. Or maybe add them, particularly AI is very biased, but we will solve that problem. So then we can speed that. So instead of like, oh, this is a lot battle, things are bad, we need to go into, we need to speed this up. This is doable. Things are changing. Let's stay positive. Perseverant optimist. Stubborn optimist. And <laughs> So if I have to take my advice, I, I feel like, you know, it's like in everywhere. If you have a passion for what you are doing and you believe in yourself, things will happen. But you know, ask for help. Don't, don't, don't get stuck. So if you feel that you are not really, you know, if you are mistreated, go and help, ask for help. There are so many organizations ready to help you with advices, with the tips, with mentoring, with support, with the ways, with recruiting, with training. So use your passion, use your passion as a channel into your success. And then things will just happen. Um, and, um, don't get bitter. Of course, of course, it's not easy. But I think sometimes I think about what happened hundred years ago. Only, only hundred years ago, women couldn't even vote. Maybe I'm saying right. The <laughs> and also I have a story when me and Chris we speak about you know diversity. Uh, I I read this and probably everyone says in the beginning there was no difference between men and women. Men and women, they were very equal when they were pickers and hunters. There was a very equal society. And it is actually the agriculture that has happened six, approximately 6,000 years ago when these roles have started to change. So we need to change, can you imagine, the, a lot 6,000 years, we need to change it back. But again, don't be a bitter. Your passion will get you through. Be, you know, professional, learn about things, ask for help and be positive. Nice, I love that. I think um, I think I like the, the st what was it, stubborn optimist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear about 284 years because I'm <laughs> dusted by then. <laughs> yeah, right. but no, I think that there's a good message to get across and, and something you touched on there was kind of about having a community and kind of building a network. Um, how important is that, would you say, kind of having a strong network, having a community, and also how do you actually build a community, and especially if you're starting out, um, what would be your thoughts or advice for, for people around this area? And I can start here, Chris, uh, saying that to 
it, it's actually very easy. We, we, I can say that today, using the old channels, the media you have around, the LinkedIn, the all the YouTubes and everything. I'm sorry if I'm I shouldn't have mentioned this. It's it's life is so easy to to create a network. It's very easy. It's actually about just reaching. What I think is more important is the people that want to help and it's like me and Chris trying to get back to the society. I say the experience we have, uh, of course, it uh, requires a lot of extra effort and extra work. So, uh, you know, you starting from scratch, a network is not easy. What's helping a lot is actually you doing good in the society and in the north. That what you using your network and having been surrounding a lot of good people around you that want to contribute. Uh, of course, using media, no worries. Uh, but it's really about, again, I'm going back, passion to do things. It's about because if you have and you like what you are doing, the time you invest in it is not kind of counting as, a, as something mm-hmm. that's an effort. It's just coming. Uh, so the fact that me and Chris are recording now from five to six, that's okay. It's fun. You have to see that things happening with fun. Um, I'm not sure if we are in the topic what we are doing, so maybe I can wait. <laughs> but to start the network, you have just to have to want to do it, and then you can do it. So yeah, nice. And anything else? I mean, we will definitely come into kind of the the events and groups that you're in. in you, you both are interested in. Uh, but anything else you would add there, Chris, in terms of if you're building a network, how would you actually do it? From this topic, there is the this uh, keyboard from Madeleine Albright. She was the Secretary of State uh, with when Clinton was in the United States presidency. Very powerful woman. And she actually said there is a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. And actually, oh. the, the, it can be like uh, you can join a community, you can uh, uh, do something. And uh, there is people that is like that. For example, me, my work is do like I need to do. I need to do action. But maybe some people, they don't. Maybe they don't want to. They are more social. They are introverts or something. But something that we can do all the time. It's like uh, help each other. And to help each other doesn't mean that uh, you give jobs to your fellow women. It's just not uh, this or I mean, or maybe it is. I mean, maybe when you have an open position, maybe which women in my network could do it. Maybe help each other in that sense. But also it might be praising each other. Like it's been a lot of stud- stud- studies that uh, women are a bit uh, more cautious when presenting themselves. Also when maybe applying for jobs or we tick on the boxes or we are afraid. I, we have more insecurities. And then if someone in your job does something well and is a woman, praise it. Say it. This is done. This is done by Mary. Mary is awesome. Little thing. Little thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Help each other. And it's, we're not lying or anything. We're just actually visualizing the work because we are few, fewer, fewer. The work is there. And um, again, we are the one like the one with the red scissors and the black uh, sea of t-shirts. And we stand out. And usually it's very like... Um, it's good that we talk positively about the things that we do because that promotes a change. That changes stereotypes. Um, and that helps us. So, I mean, you can do a lot and engage in a, in a, some initiative. You can start your initiative. You can, like, um, do a lot. But it can also be as simple as praise your fellow uh, nonsense gender males uh, around you. Yeah, yeah. I think that sometimes, I think that's really good to stress is that sometimes people think you have to take on a really big job or something huge, which is going to take up a lot of time. And I mean, obviously, you two love doing the, the conferences, the talks, which is amazing, but it doesn't have to be so time consuming. It could be just, like you said, praising, kind of sharing, and even just this now, kind of talking and raising awareness and, and sharing your thoughts. So, so yeah, I love that. Um, and definitely a good segue now into kind of, what you both have been doing um so i'm not sure if whoever wants to kind of divulge into this first but kind of tell us a little bit more about your events your groups all the kind of good work that you do because from previous conversations i know there's a lot of good things to share so maybe we can start with two of us and then chris you will now do it a little bit together so uh, since we started together and uh, I, we, I, we started with the idea like approximately two years ago and or maybe a little bit more that 
Chris and I, we can do these things together. And it started actually from Chris kind of, and she will tell you more about what she was starting doing at that time. Uh, and then uh, we created what we call these women tech setters. It's two of us where we are really together. This is two of us going together to support women in south of Sweden. We are just south of Sweden for now. Uh, coming together and sharing our experience, uh, offering our mentoring, uh, offering tips. Uh, Chris will say more what she is doing, but also helping them with the interviews, with how they can get a job in the tech, how you should make your CV, what you are looking for. And, and this is more like a creating a group of women. And uh, again, Chris said that this is our first podcast. We are launching our own podcast. Uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, well, lots of work. So this is on art. Uh, and then Chris, I, I said it to you because then we have, I have another big thing that I'm doing right now. So Chris, maybe you can add what you are doing. Uh... Me, I come from the world of activism and I've been always being uh, active, uh, contributing to the society. For me, it's important. I cannot see unfair and do nothing. As I said, my purpose do. And uh, um, yeah, with time, my that drives that I have for activism and wanting the, to have a better world transforming to put in some focus here. I have uh, been uh, involved in, uh, in, in many initiatives. I was like, uh, on Sundays, every other Sunday, I teach programming to refugees. Then uh, from that initiative with another colleague, we started um, um, an initiative to promote coding among women, because actually it's like, um, is associated with a masculine job, but actually it's very feminine to code. So uh, we have, uh, together with the, the mayor of the city, we have some events to uh, promote technology among women, and we have some easy coding days, so people can see that actually it's not this black screen, that is scary. And uh, um, and then we have some initiatives. Then I've been always uh, with mentoring. Like, I, I'm always involved uh, with some universities, and some things mentoring someone, also within the within the company I work for. There is always young talents and people like to learn the culture, how to do things. Mm. And of course, I want them to succeed and to market their successes. So they are also involved uh, in those kinds of things. Then I do a lot of things also with Anka. And then, I don't know, and there are always things here and there. Also, like games is particularly quite uh, main-dominated. So I have also a lot of things through my through the company I work for. The, yeah, it's a, it's a place where we take diversity very serious. So there is a lot of initiatives within the company. We have a diversity land. We have a, like in, I, we help some uh, communities around us by funding them, by hosting their events. And then uh, there is a, a couple of persons within the company that are very invested. So we have our little, uh, let's say, solve world problems uh, lunches. <laughs> and then we do a lot of initiatives in that. So, so there is a, a lot of stuff going on. Nice. And and how has it been kind of being a mentor? Because that's something that I know we mentioned to touch on. Um, what's been your experience there? Me, I see it very much as um as support. Like a lot of people starts and is like, I want that, but I don't know how to ask, and I don't know what. I mean, you already have the know. Go and do it. <laughs> Go and yeah. we meet next week, and you tell me all about it. Are you sure? Yes, do it. And then like, I remember the, uh, the, yeah, and also some people have like, they start their career and they have a very narrow vision. The world is in front of you. The world is an oyster. You have all these <laughs> possibilities. And they are like, do I? Yes, you do. <laughs> and then uh, actually there is like two or three rumors that uh, is some of the first ones I started uh, mentoring many years ago. Some of them now are uh, holding in big leadership positions. And sometimes we still meet for lunch and it's like, do you remember 10 years ago and what happened? And it was like, yeah. So actually, like, I don't do much. I just uh, encourage and support them, you know, like I meet with them and re I, reassure, I reassure them that there is a place at the table for them and that they should pursue it. So actually, it's like this mentoring is all the credit goes to them. And I think uh, most of it, as I tell you, is support and encouragement. Yeah, and no, it sounds very rewarding. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. For me, it's very rewarding to give this back because it's like, it, it's like not only, it's actually listening mm -hmm. and asking the right questions about it because the answer sits in them. It's not in me. I don't have the answers. You know, I can only ask the right questions to guide, not to guide, to open doors. What if, have you been thinking? What, what if not? What is your dream? What do you want to, to do? Why we want you want to? Is it, 
is it the time now? Why should you wait? And this is like more, it's, it's listening and uh, ret- active listening. So that's for me, and that's returning. And then you see when they are succeed, succeeding, they are, it's so, it's like your children in a way. Oh, yeah, I love that. And so with, with women tech setters, how, if anybody listening wanted to get involved, wanted to kind of discuss anything further, what's the best way for them to, to kind of be part of it? I, I think they can follow us on LinkedIn. We have a women tech setters, but we are just at the beginning. Where the easy way it is, and I want, I waited a little bit to say, uh, I am uh, I am opening actually, or we are launching what we call Women in Tech in South of Sweden, which is an organization in entire Sweden, and it was mainly now Stockholm, Gothenburg, uh, mainly Gothenburg, but now we we open it in South of Sweden, and this is a big event. Uh, we will down uh, maybe I should reveal it now. Kick off on 19th of June, and Women in Tech in in uh, in Sweden now we have quite the big dreams we really we are really focusing on three pillars one is really about young generation innovation so we want to support young women and also young boys if they want to join these tech forces and offer sponsorship for innovation for ideas offering help to start their own business or help to start their career in technology so that will be youth uh, youth support Second is about um, uh, female founders. We want to to promote and support uh, women to get funding to to go with their passion and their technology. And here we have some big dreams about you know maybe having a house of the female founders in Malmo, where it's a physical place where women can come and meet and have their business open. But again, I'm talking about dreams now. I'm revealing too much. And the third one, of course, will be mentoring, inspiration, uh, uh, matching with uh, jobs and, uh, and you know, women want to come in technology. And what is so beautiful, I have to say, I, I am impressed. Uh, I've started, you know, to, you said how easy it is to create a network. And I tell my experience, of course, I know lots of people in the area. Uh, and this initiative that I'm really driving and I put a lot of effort in my, in my week into this, I need help. I cannot do it alone. And we are another three ladies. We are four ladies in the board, uh, but we need support. And I have to tell you, every phone call I make is like the, how should I say, the good willing is coming back. It's like people are so, so willing to help us and support mm-hmm. from sponsoring, from money, from being part of our network and supporting, you know, I can be a mentor in your network. I can organize, help you to organize. I can give you that. So I, it, I'm so amazed, like just a phone call. I said, I just need to call and I get so much energy. You know, you probably feel it in my, it's so impressive. So I have big, big dreams about how we kind of unite all this. Because I said today, I've seen lots of small women organization all over the place. If we want to be stronger, we have to be united because we can, we can drive change. Uh, and that's my dream to create under this women in tech umbrella, uh, a big movement in south of Sweden and really maybe change the world and the perception of the tech in south, at least south of Sweden. Then we go bigger and bigger and bigger, but to oh, yeah. out, south of Sweden. So reach out uh, to me or to Chris if you want to get involved. Uh, today it's called Women in Tech in Gothenburg. You can still apply to be a member there, but we will have to change, you know, with an inclusive name too to properly represent the entire Sweden. Yeah. Well, I mean, well done. It sounds like you're obviously doing really, really well, successful careers, leading ladies in tech, which is exactly what the podcast title is, and then giving back to other women, other ladies, other non-binary members. So, yeah, just a massive well done. I think it's um, very inspirational. Sorry, not to close you, sorry, because I want to say we are not only talking about diversity and women, we are still a tech and we are very passionate about technology. And that's what Chris and I, we try to balance about not only being perceived as women, we are technologists. We want Mm. to show we have a passion for innovation, for technologies, for coding, for transformation. So we, again, Women, we want to support them, but we are more than just women. We are super women. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, literally. But no, honestly, if anybody listening does want to get involved, it sounds like something amazing to be to be part of. Um, and we've got a few minutes left, so I definitely want to touch on the last kind of part of the the questions that we discussed, which was kind of talking around 
any advice of on efforts to promote diversity and inclusion? Um, I think we've touched on a few little ideas, but kind of more homing in on um, how do you think either the industry or specific companies can actually be more inclusive and more supportive um, in the tech industry that we're in? I mean, there are different uh, sides. One is attraction, retention, and promotion. One of the problems that companies has, for example, in game, when we want game programmers, programmers is that it's very hard to attract them. Mm-hmm. Then when you have, they need to feel included, they need to feel well, and you need to retain them. And also you need to promote them. You need to cut your own bias and the uh, glass ceiling, and you need to show them a path, and they, uh, you need to encourage them. And, and because of our bias and because the world is unbalanced, you need to balance that. For attraction, of course, there is a lot of uh, a lot of things like uh, a lot of studies. Every time the problem is getting worse. Like every time they, they before it was and then there was few in university, but now they do not even get to university. So for companies to invest in programs to grow and cast them early, like uh, for example, in the in one of our offices, we're doing things with the high schools and they uh, showing them look. It's cool to make games. Uh, also, like uh, the class, like when they go to the programming class, it's not like the boys' time, and you know we have to do. I mean, like make them include them, make it something fun, make it girly because actually programming is girly, uh, <laughs> and make it like any other gender that is not male. And they, um, so there is many things about regarding attraction. So like the blind CVs, we don't know like if it's which race, which nationality, the name, the university that. It, so they not discriminate. There are studies like uh, there was a study made in Denmark, same CB, sent with a Danish name and sent with an Arabic name. The the one with the Danish name got many replies. The ones with the Arabic name didn't. So there are things that don't have to do um, with gender. It has to do also with uh, like uh, our ethnicity. So blind recruitment. There are many things to do in the part of the at- attraction. Like this is going to get lengthy. Then there is the retention, and then there is the growth within the company. And once they are inside the company, I mean, they are they are treasure, like rare rare treasures. So the the we need to create environments to thrive. Make sure that they, a lot of companies no, we are equal. So we are so equal, we don't need to talk about it. You failing? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of bias that we don't know. So if you don't talk about it. Those bias are existing, and maybe because the major part of the team is not show, is not suffering, maybe they likely the leader and uh, cis males, they are not realizing that actually someone is suffering. So it's very important to visualize it, to talk about it, to actually make something that, like for example, a diversity lunch or a diversity group, and the diversity group not necessarily is like let's all cry about what discrimination we've been having towards. No, I mean and that diversity group, for example, at IO Interactive. It's not only women or only guys or only it's like a mixed group of people and it can be even a um, functioning diversity then we are like neurodiversity types mm-hmm. that just has to be inclusive for many people so have visualize visualize that and make sure that if you detect a problem there is ways to communicate for example in the in the company i work for we have an anonymous um, survey every week mm-hmm. and one of the questions is like have you noticed any misconduct and then it's anonymous. If you have, you can report it. Someone else will take uh, action. Fortunately, there's not that many incidents, or at least uh, like uh, no, not that many. And then, but if they are, there is a way for the person to come forward without being the one with the mark. And, uh, and then that's also if like a lot of misconducts in the same line will be there, then you can realize you have a problem. So you have to create those spaces. And then of course promotion, as as mentioned before, there is a glass ceiling. Be aware and be sure that it's like, catch yourself. Would I be doing this to this person if it would be a dude of 40 years white? Yes or no? And if it's no, then your own bias is playing a money trick on you. So that exercise is good to do it sometimes. Would I be having this answer? Because myself, I sometimes catch myself. So like, and I think I'm someone that has this very present, but I cannot avoid that I, I grew up in a binary world. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, it's very good to do that exercise and be sure that we look at the talent, we promote them and we give them the space. So, yeah. Maybe just to add what I think companies, there's also programs to support, you know, uh, in Sweden and Denmark, it's a good, it's a country where, you know, as a woman, it's, it's easier than in other countries, but there should be programs for women to come back after maternity, support yeah. 
So there are lots of things that the companies can do. And then I would call it positive action. So actually look for to, to, to make sure that you have a diverse team and you create the right balance gender in your team. So it's a lot of things that, you know, stop talking and start doing things. Look on yeah. how your, your workforce look. Again, learn about your workforce. See how the women are feeling there. See how they are promoted. See. So again, based on your data, but you can take action now. Is there is no time to wait? Uh, and then again, encourage to go, 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 and encourage young generation to join. Come, come and inspire. Show how great it is and how. It, what the company, you know, you know that the whole the new generation is not about what I can do for this company. It's what this company can do for me. So show what you can do for this company. How you are treating how interested you are into there are big topics these days it's about environmental with the sustainability it's about equality diversity and inclusion and it's about you know connecting to the technology and the speed of change i think this is kind of if you show that you are engaged you can attract a lot of young talented women yeah no honestly some really 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 good pieces of advice there i think um thank you both for your insight i mean Anybody listening, whether it be someone starting the career as a woman or non-binary in tech, whether it be a leader who is in similar positions when it comes to the recruitment, the attraction, um, or whether it is just even kind of the, the cisgender males who are kind of in this and want to learn more. I think we've touched on a lot of different things that can really, really help people. Um, and I appreciate you. We're approaching the hour mark now. So any final comments before we kind of wrap this up and say thank you? Ah, if we haven't said that, we think. And I'll Chris, you first. <laughs> if anyone has any questions, would like to take more, looking for a mentor, and it worked, ping us in LinkedIn. Happy to talk more. And for me, that for me will be there to dream that tech it's a path for you. So just do it. So oh, I'm perseverant optimist. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> things will change, and, and again, see the change you want to see. So, yeah, definitely love that. And, and as you said before, anybody got any questions, any ideas, any thoughts, feel free to reach out to Anka and Chris and and the women in the Women Tech Setters group because it's uh, something amazing to be part of. And thank you both for the the conversation.